0: Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations, so be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Happy Monday, everybody, on this Martin Luther King birthday. Maybe some of you are home from work today, but it is a special day that we want to acknowledge for the wonderful work that Martin Luther King did for our country Oh my gosh, I cannot believe my phone is ringing. Um anyway, I wanted to thank my special guests for joining us today and I'm so happy that you're going to be here and I am can- I just cannot believe that my phone is ringing. All right, that's okay. This is a live radio show and sometimes these things happen even though I make myself a note to unplug my phone. Whew, take a deep breath. We're moving forward. I'd like to tell you about the guests that are joining me today. Keith Wilkins is joining me today. My guests are from the Seaside Seabird Sanctuary that's located along the Gulf Coast of the Indian Shores in Florida, and Keith is the operations manager of the uh, Seaside Seabird Sanctuary. Welcome to the show, Keith.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. and. Melissa Dollard is also with us today and Melissa was the first person I met when I when I walked into the sanctuary and she is the wildlife rehabilitator. I want to welcome you to the show as well, Melissa. Hello, thank you so much for having us. You're welcome and I apologize for that phone ringing. I tell people make sure you're in a quiet place and then what happens my phone rings so I my, my real apologies, but the, you know, it happens, right? This is when it is what it is. Uh, I wanted yeah. to just say that I visited um, Tampa um, this past December with my, my nephew and nieces, Paul, Jennifer, and Karen Fleming. They're from de- the Detroit area, and they asked me if I would like to meet them in Florida in December, and I thought, well, sure. And they know how much I love birds. Okay, and and anybody that knows me actually knows that. And our condo uh, faced the Gulf, which is where you're located. And just watching those majestic pelicans and cormorants fly by and then dive into the water was something I could just I could watch that for hours. Um, And one of the places (laughs) that we visited was your Seaside Seabird Sanctuary because very close to where we're staying. And I was just awestruck by your facility and seeing so many birds up close and personal. And speaking of up close and personal, I'd like to get to know you guys a little bit better. So Keith, would you like to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, coincidentally, much like your nieces and nephews, I'm uh, I'm a, a, a homegrown, uh, born and raised uh, in the Detroit area. Um mm-hmm uh Farmington Hills to be exact. Yep. Um mm-hmm. and uh um yeah, I moved down here with my family uh, at a young age to to Florida and uh <clears throat> um you know, don't look don't look back
2: <laughs> at all.
1: Um outside of that, I mean, I'm a uh, um I'm a um a single father to a uh, 14-year-old teenage girl. Who I've been uh, raising since she was uh, on my own, since she was three, and a ho- uh, homeschooler. And uh, wow. uh, outside of that, uh, outside of that, my 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 passion is my job. You know, it's it's my daughter and my job.
0: Hmm. Does she love the birds as much as you do?
1: Oh my God, yes, yeah, she does. She actually volunteers uh, uh, three days a week here at the sanctuary. Uh, she'll do, she she works in the gift shop. And then she'll also do tours and that uh, and then she'll go off whenever we do an off site event like go to schools and and take uh some birds with us and do presentations mm-hmm. she'll go and' it's, it's it's she'll get up on stage with an owl on her arm and teach uh school kids oh. about birds and rehabilitation and all that and it's she loves it
0: <laughs> oh that's. Oh, I just that's just that's so cool. Okay, so Melissa, you're you're up. You're up to that. Tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and, and your love for your job.
2: Yeah, of course. Um so I was actually born in Fremont, um, so all out in California, but um I've pretty much been in Florida my whole life. Um I have a bachelor's degree in animal biology from the University of South Florida and I've been doing wildlife rehabilitation for the past five years. And that's all through, you know, volunteering, you know, doing internships at certain clinics and things like that. So um, it's kind of been, I've seen a lot of different things, you know, did an internship out on Vancouver Island and then worked with Mm. um, the seabirds here in Florida. So um, really, yeah, birds have been a big part of my life for a very long time. And, you know, I've gotten to work with sea turtles, other reptiles. Uh, the oh. possums and raccoons as well, but birds have always had a big place in my heart. So uh, finding the, the position at the Seabird Sanctuary was a really great opportunity, and um, it's been an awesome, uh, awesome year. I started at the sanctuary back in 2017, so.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I I don't, yeah. you know, honestly, to be perfectly frank, I really didn't know what a sanctuary was. I don't. I just because I guess I've never been to one, and I I really do want to to investigate if we have those kinds of sanctuaries here on the west coast. I would think we do because we have very many of the similar birds. We do not have the white pelicans, as far as I know. Are are they native to to the east coast? The the, the white pelicans.
2: Um, They actually come from a little farther inland. So the, you actually will see them, oh. like, in the Missouri area. Um, and then they oh. actually migrate down south towards South America. Um, but Florida is one of their stops that they take. So not as frequently in the area that the sanctuary is, but a little bit south of us is a really popular stopover for them. So Yeah. Well,
0: we we have the blue herons here. We even have green herons here. We have the egrets and, like, we have the brown pelicans. And frankly, when I am stressed out, what I do when I have to get away from this computer screen is I grab my camera and I go down to our local marina just so I can photograph those pelicans. Because they're the most odd-looking, um, they remind me of a prehistoric animal. Their their bodies, are just, <laughs> I don't know, they're just so different. But, but well, we'll get to the pelicans, but before we do that, Keith, why don't you give us just a little of the history of the seaside it's and it's like so the seaside sea bird sanctuary. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um we are um we were uh, uh, founded in uh, July of 2016, so we're still we're a relatively new organization in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, we uh, were a, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, organization. Um, we uh, moved into our current location where you visited uh, last month um mm-hmm. in September of 2016 and basically it was the facility that we had had been a um a wildlife uh, uh avian uh rehab and sanctuary facility ever since the early 70s but the organization mm-hmm. that was here at the time um closed up uh um into or in, to, er, uh, in uh, 2016 so we we were formed and we moved into their their facility and um in order to ensure all the birds that they were caring for uh nothing happened to them we made an agreement to where we would uh inherit all their their permanent residence that was here at the time and everything mm-hmm. and um our main mission is, is 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 pretty simple what we do is we uh rescue uh treat rehabilitate uh sick and injured wild birds even though we are called a, a seabird sanctuary we actually uh rehabilitate and treat all wild birds whether they're a seabird whether they're a, you know a, a a land bird a songbird it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter all 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 bird all wild birds and uh, we mm-hmm. do that with the hopes of being able to release them back into the wild, um, which is, is where they belong.
0: Sure, sure. I, I, and, you know, that's that's really interesting that you talked about the fact that while the name of your um, sanctuary is Seabirds, um, in reality, I mean, I, had, I was just, I don't know, I was so excited to be there. And I think one of the first... Birds I came across were the owls, and it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. not a seabird. And and <laughs> then I saw um, um, a, what I think did I see a, a a falcon? Is that what I? No, what was that? Was that a no. what, what, was, um, pr- what was that? Uh,
1: probably our uh, red-tailed hawk that we have.
0: That's what it was. Yep, it was that's a red-tailed hawk. That's probably what hawk. we were looking at. Yeah, I, it sure was. It was a red-tailed hawk, and um, you know. I I get cooper's hawks in my backyard because I feed the birds. I'm like kind of like what is that in Mary Poppins? Um and um so I, you know, I really enjoy feeding the birds, but sometimes it does bring along, you know, that that cooper's hawk that thinks that it's to be back in that yard as well. But um <laughs> yeah, I so that is interesting that you that you do rescue more than just the seabirds. How how many people actually um Work at your sanctuary,
1: yeah, uh, uh, currently we actually have uh, eight actual employees, um, which three of them are uh, part time. Uh, the rest of us are are full time and um the remainder of what makes up our staff and and what we really rely on is, is the uh the countless uh number of uh volunteers that we have that volunteer their time to the sanctuary and come in and and do many different types of uh, of jobs for us because you know unfortunately yeah. with us i mean we sit on a 1.5 acre uh facility Uh, And, you know, we're running an avian hospital. We're running the actual the sanctuary with the permanently disabled birds that visitors can come in. So, I mean, it's it's a big operation for, you know, just just, uh, you know, uh, eight employees um yes. but you know being a non-profit organization you know we obviously you know our our main money goes towards the birds so we can't afford to you know hire a big big staff so we we rely on all the volunteers we have
0: mhm that's nice um i know that there's that we'll, we're going to be talking about the hospital at some point because i am really interested in knowing about the hospital but what i'm curious to know is why um why did you why did you guys what was the draw for you um Keith uh, and Melissa mm-hmm. I really want to know that same thing from you what was the draw that got you into this line of work to start with
1: um yeah um it's it, it, it it's funny if you were to come to me a few years back and somebody would have, you know told me that I'd be doing this as a as a career as a job I I never would have guessed it in my wildest dreams Um, I mean, I've always had a a love and passion. I just, I love animals, uh, all animals. And what's funny is what led me to doing this was because for most of my life, I actually worked uh, for a living. I worked in the music business as a, um, uh, many different things. I worked, uh, I started out my career, I worked as a uh, contract songwriter and then studio drummer session drummer and then but mainly it was I was a, a syndicated music columnist and um concert promoter for the most part and uh, uh, for a short time uh, a couple years I was a radio show host actually and huh. but while I was uh, doing it and mainly uh, uh in the concert promotion I loved um my promotion company one of my main things was i always wanted i i always tried to i wanted to give back to the community and everything and what i would do is put on a lot of uh of of uh concerts to raise money for local um uh wildlife and um and uh, organizations, and not just wildlife, mm-hmm. but also like uh, um, for like adoption agencies for 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 dogs and cats and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and it kind of eventually a, a few years back I retired, and being that I did a lot of work with these uh, with different organizations raising money for them with the concerts, and and I live close by to. to the sanctuary that used to operate out of this facility at the time, I decided to come down and volunteer here. And one thing led to another. I, you know, um, retirement wasn't all that it was cracked up to be for me. <laughs> and I did have to find, I did have to find, uh, you know, another job and everything. So just mm-hmm. one thing, opportunity opened up and um, the organ- that organization had a, uh, um, hired me on to to work in the hospital, and then eventually when um, that organization went out of business and Seaside formed and came in, um, I was one of a, a, a few, uh, a couple employees for, uh, that um, they hired and kept on for Seaside. And Got so it. next thing i know like you know 4 years later you know now i'm the director of operations here so
0: <laughs> that's pretty that's a that's a cool story and that's really interesting about your music side of life as well because most of us are multidimensional so it's always interesting to hear that in in your case um Melissa i know you mentioned how much you um you love animals is that have you always had that burning desire
2: to to be in that world as well Uh, yes yeah definitely I always wanted to do something um, at least conservation related um, and so when I was in college one of my first couple of years in college I was looking for internships to do and I applied to probably at least 60 different internships and the only one that said yes was um, a tiny uh, avian clinic out on Vancouver Island so, of course, why wouldn't I go? Well, being in Florida, of course, I wanted to go as far away as possible. <laughs> and, well, you, you could know, have travel like around farther, and, could you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I was there for um three months, and it was quite a whirlwind. I was kind of thrown right into it, but I just realized just how amazing the work is, you know, being able to be a part of raising you know, a a small bird that's been orphaned and watching them grow and then releasing them back into the wild. It was just something that, you know, completely changed my life. And I realized that this is, you know, the field that I wanted to work in. So um, from there, it was just finding different places to go, different organizations. I, I did a fellowship down at the Clinic for Rehabilitation of Wildlife or Crow Clinic on Sanibel Island. Um, and that's where I actually got to do a lot of different you know my more advanced medical skills I gained from there mm-hmm. um and sure. then okay. I found the sanctuary after a after a brief stint at the local animal shelter um I took a break mm-hmm. from the wildlife and did cats and dogs for a bit, but you now the wildlife has always been always been my calling so <laughs> that's
0: that's great, and yeah, you know, I have to tell you um if anybody is while you're listening to the show um you could easily go to the website i want to just frankly it's on my screen while i'm speaking to you and it's SeasideSeabirdSanctuary.org, and there are fabulous it's a great website you guys i mean truly it's a great website um and so let's talk a little bit about the birds that you do see, um, because you know what thought just came to my mind as I was looking, frankly, as I was looking at you holding a pelican, Melissa? I never Mm -hmm. thought to ask this question before, but now that I was looking at you holding this pelican, this is the thought that went into my mind. How much do they weigh? I have no idea how much a pelican, (laughs) before they
2: eat. Oh uh, well you'd you'd be surprised. Um birds they have quite a few different adaptations so that they're able to fly. So you'd look at a pelican mm-hmm. and you think that wow that bird must be really heavy with that giant blocky head and you know, their large wings, but they really only weigh about three pounds. Um, no which is yeah, yeah, two to three pounds are at you most. Cute? Um Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the feathers are what, all that? a bit of a trick. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's, that is, that, I'm sorry, that's shocking to me because what was that, what was that <laughs> rhyme, how much, a, 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 a you know, I should have written that down because there's that thing about the, the pelican and the, and the how much they can eat or something. I don't remember how that song, that sea thing goes, but when they're scooping up their fish or whatever it is they're getting, I would think that'd be more than three pounds right there, so, um that I had no idea that that is all that they weighed. That's 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 mm-hmm. so interesting. Of all the birds, you got to realize so too. I'm, I'm, yes,
1: you got to mm-hmm. realize too that the birds' metabolisms are so high, faster compared to us. Oh. That pretty much what goes in them comes right out.
0: <laughs> okay, I I'm trying to visualize that and kind of see that too. So, um, <laughs> um, do you admit and treat all birds? Because I think you do, don't you? If somebody, um, maybe you could kind of take us through how maybe an owl would come to you or, or, or those, I think they were quite beautiful, the vultures. How, you know, I don't think of vultures as a seabird. I don't know if they fall into that category or not. I think of vultures as being sort of over the desert, frankly. But um, how, how, do you, um,
2: how do you admit and treat those birds? Um, so, yeah, we, we accept all different species, um, so that's, you know, the birds of prey, the seabirds, songbirds, everything, any bird that's in need, they can they can come to us. And for the most part, um, members of the community, when they find these injured birds, they actually will bring them to the sanctuary, um, bring them straight to the hospital, and we admit them through there. We also have some rescue volunteers that will go out. Uh, we We receive calls from the public. Um, and we'll actually send volunteers out, or sometimes we'll even go out if it's on the beach right behind the sanctuary and rescue birds
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and bring them back <laughs> to the sanctuary to the hospital and um, you know yeah, depending it all you're... depends on I'm sorry, continue no, I interrupted you go I
0: wanted you to finish your thought. it all depends on oh,
2: it's okay <laughs> uh, well, just well, saying, I guess you know it I would... all depends on go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it all depends no, like, on, um, you know, what what they get admitted with um, and, you know, what the kind of injury it is What will determine what we do for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what makes your location, so, and I'm sorry I kept interrupting you, what, what makes your location so particularly beautiful is you are physically right there. I mean, you don't have to drive miles to get to the beach. And uh, I think that that really must you know that location itself like you said had been there for 40 years there's a reason that they were located there that that's pretty great um i'm still just i'm I'm amazed um that pelicans only weigh three pounds okay so what are the most i really i'm sorry i just think this blows me away what are the most common injuries um or ailments that wild birds come into your hospital with what what what
2: brings them to you? What kind of injuries do they have? Um, so, you know, unfortunately, most of the injuries that we do see are uh, at least directly or indirectly caused by human activity. Um, you know, being a seabird, mainly a seabird sanctuary, the most common injury that we see are fishing line um, or hook, mm. fishing line entanglement or hook injuries, Um And then some of the other ones that we do see commonly are, you know, uh, impact traumas, sometimes with vehicles, um, sometimes, you know, migrating songbirds, they actually will strike windows. um, And so that's a common Mm -hmm. thing that we see. We also do, unfortunately, see um, poisoning, um, heavy metal poisoning, as well as rodenticide or pesticide poisoning. Um, And, you know, it, it, it all depends. Some of these injuries happen more frequently during certain times of the year. So, you know, like with the window strikes during migration periods, we'll see a lot more of those compared to other times of the year. But, um, yeah, those are definitely the three most common things that we see.
0: Wow. I guess, I mean, I, it, I guess it does really make sense. Um, and you, well, we'll talk about some of the birds that, that you have there because I I know that that it it's just such a great place i mean if people are vacationing in florida especially if they're on the gulf coast that is an app i know there's you know orlando and epcot and all those things and we did those things as well i mean i hadn't been to florida so i wanted to see florida but i i must say for me going to your sanctuary was a highlight it's so well put together, and if you, and I mean, if you like to grab a camera, you know, um, it is just, plus you're doing such good work. I, I mean, and like I said, your website is so well done. Things that you do with children and and your feedings and all of these different, adopt a bird, all of these different things that you guys do, it's it's really fabulous. Um, let me just ask you an, an, another question about the, the hospital. Um mm-hmm. how many how many birds do you think that you guys would see in a year and and what
2: what's your success rate with that Um so typically you know the sanctuary has admitted anywhere from between 2000 to 2500 birds a year um you know sometimes certain wow. events can either make that number grow um just like recently with the red tide event that Florida was facing, we saw a significant mm-hmm. increase in the number of birds we were treating. Um but luckily this past year, uh, twenty eighteen, our success rate was forty nine percent, um, which is wow. actually a really a really great success rate. Um generally the mm-hmm. national mm-hmm. average is forty percent. Um so Good we're we're guys. quite proud of that number. So yeah.
0: <laughs> well I guess so and what what happens to the birds, they can't be released back into the wild because that also happens to the other than 50%. So, what happens to those
2: birds? Um, so, you know, it all it all depends on what their injury is as to why they can't be released. Um, there are a lot of injuries that, unfortunately, you know, sometimes the only way that our only option is, you know, to end their suffering humanely. But for the other birds mm-hmm. that cannot be released back into the wild and they would have an excellent chance of having a good quality of life, you know, there, it's an injury that they can live with it. It's not going to, you know, bring bring them pain like a, you know, it's an injury that they can manage, uh, you know, within a, mm-hmm. a captive setting. We can either keep them at the sanctuary um, and make them a permanent resident with us. We also will transfer certain birds to other institutions like the Florida Aquarium, um, or Lowry Park Zoo, or Bush Gardens, um, to be on their exhibits as well. Interesting.
0: So I'm thinking about I I I go. I, I maybe this isn't the right way to do things, but I go to my local Petco, and I buy a bag of 33 pound bag of bird seed. I go through a bag a month. And I and you know I don't just that doesn't just bring in the doves and the as I call as I like to call them the little brown birds you know it also brings the squirrels and the crows and but I mean as far as I'm concerned everybody needs to eat so it's it's, it's a it's a free for all and I don't mind it but I'm just curious so how much um, Keith how much food does the sanctuary go through to feed all of the birds that you have in your sanctuary?
1: Yeah, um, well between. Um... Right now, we have uh, about uh, uh, 110 permanently disabled birds that live here at the sanctuary that we care for, and then on top of that, we have about the average, um, uh, the uh, about on average about the 2,000 to 2,500 birds that get admitted into the hospital each year that Melissa was telling mm-hmm. me about. So between all that, mm-hmm. um, to just to feed all the birds we just for uh we go through about uh 1750 pounds of fish every week
0: <gasps>
1: uh wow 50, yeah uh, 57 pounds of ground beef per week uh 6000 mealworms per week 140 rats per week uh 70 mice hmm. per week and uh between crack corn and sand hill crane food with uh uh about fifty pounds per week of that. And that's not including all the regular just uh the bird seed, fruits, vegetables, berries, you know, peanuts, wow. and, uh shrimp, and everything else that we that we feed our birds.
0: <laughs> My gosh isn't and and okay so that that you just described like that's 1750 pounds of fish did you say that's per week per week yep whoa so that makes me want to ask this question how in the world do you guys pay for that <laughs>
1: Um well we we are we we are a 501c3 nonprofit so we actually rely mm-hmm. entirely on um private donations by the community people who visit our sanctuary um we do not uh receive any kind of government funding of any kind right. so everything between the food and uh all the medicine medical equipment and you got to realize we're on a 1.5 acre land uh uh, parcel of land here, so um, uh-huh. we have uh, uh, electricity, uh, water bills, all that, and, and just to give you an idea, just to um, um, do take care of the laundry for all the towels that are used in the hospital and around the sanctuary, we have uh, uh-huh. two washing machines and three dryers that literally run nonstop every day from 7 a.m. till 4 p.m., so, I mean there's okay. a lot of expense and that is all um you know it's it's all private uh citizens, private people that come and visit us or that you know not just locally but from out of state that have a generous mm-hmm. heart and and believe in our mission and they and and they donate money and uh to us and we also try to break way to do, you know, fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, just to generate the money and in order to uh, to handle it all.
0: Gosh, I don't know how many people are listening that <clears throat> are as stunned as I am to know all of this. I, I this is just so so interesting to me. I I I really I did not know that, and that's <laughs> it's 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 pretty remarkable. Um, so somebody has to have that responsibility of. Purchasing and and storing and you know I I just wow that's just amazing. Um, when we when we think about the sanctuary, um, is is it different? Is what you do is what you do there different from maybe other wildlife rehabilitation organizations? Is is there a difference?
1: Um, the only difference is I mean uh, there are um, all throughout you know, uh, the, uh, the U S and even in our areas, there's other, uh, rehabilitators that do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some that are generally do with, with all wildlife. Some are specific, uh, like us and, uh, specialize in just birds. Um, so there's others, uh, uh, rehabbers out there just like us. Um, I guess what what you could say makes us a little different uh, at least especially in our area is we're not just rehabilitators but we 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 also own a sanctuary or you know run a sanctuary here um and it's open to the public so people can come in and look look at the the permanent residents uh that 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 mm-hmm. live here and mm-hmm. and uh we'll put on demonstrations and that so it's like it's like two different two different sides of the coin we are you know our our main focus and our main mission is is the rehabilitation side of us and, and that's what we're we're here for but we're also like an attraction so people can come in and and see what's going on and and get educated and and watch presentations walk through our educational center and 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 all
0: of that I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. You are definitely educators because for, for many people, especially if they're visiting and maybe they're from the central part or the middle part of our country and maybe haven't seen some of these birds and not by any water, you know, it's it's pretty exciting. I, I found it very exciting to be up close and personal to the owls, and I just have to take a side trip here because I – uh, like I said, my camera is always on the ready. And I took a picture of this owl, and then I went back and I looked at the picture, and it was like, well, it wasn't like, one eye was red, and one eye was yellow. And I'm thinking, what the, what in the world is that? Do they have more than one eyelid, owls?
2: Uh, well, for owls, yes. Actually, most birds, they actually have two eyelids. Um, one is called the oh. nictating membrane, which is um it's actually a, 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 another eyelid that comes over uh usually when birds are in specific to owls when they're actually diving to catch their prey um it comes over it almost acts like safety goggles um so that if mm-hmm. there's any debris. Um, any debris that won't actually impact their eyes, and then if you know the prey item, prey animal that they're trying to catch, if they try to you know attack them or anything like that, it acts like as another barrier of protection, and then they have their normal eyelids. So um, that may be what what your your camera picked up.
0: Was what do you was it really red? I mean, I should send that picture to you and say really. I, I mean it it's 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 kind of cool, creepy you know um and i thought wow what how did what happened here because this eye is open and this eye is closed and this eye looks red and this eye looks yellow and i i i was just kind of curious about that i thought huh that's very interesting um yeah. if 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 somebody um was to come across a sick bird um and and they just really didn't know what to do because that happens here too i we have people here that that rescue hummingbirds so i mean first you got to catch it to be able to get it to to support it's the same thing you know with frankly with squirrels or with birds you know you see a a bird that's laying in your yard and you're going oh man what do i do so what would people do if they found a sick bird or an injured bird or distressed distressed bird? how would they what would they do next would you have a hotline or what do they do yeah,
2: um, so for, for our area specifically, if if they do find an injured bird, they can give us a call. Um, or if, you know, in your area, you know, we always recommend calling your just your local uh, licensed wildlife rehabilitator. Um, and the, usually mm-hmm. the Fish and Wildlife website will have a list of um, people that are licensed in your area. Um, and then if possible, you know, we recommend either you can take a towel or like a T-shirt. And you can actually throw it over the bird and you can put them in a box. Um, and if you're able to, if that center or that person is near you, you can drive it to them directly or you can have it contained for them to come pick up from you.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That That's really good for people to know because it is a question that comes up sometimes. We have a lot of phone lines where I live, you know, and, you know, I don't remember i you you have seagulls also you did you have- se- you have seagulls on in your sanctuary you do don't you
2: yes, mhm, mm-hmm. yeah, thought. but do you have ducks I can't recall oh uh, we don't have any resident ducks no we we do treat okay. them uh we do treat them, but yeah, we don't have any that live at the sanctuary they're not
0: they're they're not they're not residents, okay, I was just curious no. about
2: that, and you
0: have more than one kind of owl too, don't you
2: yes, yes, well, we you have, have the horned um, owl and then you have the yeah, we have three different species. We have the eastern screech owls, which are the little, that's the smaller owls, uh, and then we have barred owls and a, a great horned owl as well.
0: Yeah, they're neat. And I shouldn't say things. I just wrote down the word species so I can use it, sound more intelligent. All right. Um, so you would mentioned a little earlier, Melissa, that the way that some of these birds are truly injured is is because people have sort of contributed, whether it's a hook because they're out there fishing. You saw, I saw the fishing boats out there, um, and then you see these seagulls that are just like dive bombers. It's so cool to watch them just go into the water. Same with the cormorants; they just, you know, they just go in. But um, are there other things that that people do that that kind of contribute to to these injuries and sicknesses? Is you know is 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 it bad food sometimes that they put out or you know is there other other things that contribute to, that that people do that cause some of these problems
2: um yeah unfortunately um we we do um it's not always you know people trying to be you know trying to intentionally hurt anything but you know when When you're fishing at the pier, um, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, just cut their line um, or leave their um, extra line and hooks at the pier. Um, Or if Mm -hmm. they've accidentally hooked a bird, they just cut the line and leave that bird with a hook and fishing line still on them. Um, So that, you know, unfortunately can lead to a lot of problems, lead to birds getting tangled with each other, getting tangled, you know, in the roosting areas, in the rookeries. Um, and unfortunately, that can, you know, quite often lead to their death if no one can find them. So, um, yeah. you know, picking, yeah, not leaving your fishing line behind. Um, and then also, you know, littering food onto the roadways. Um, a lot of times mm-hmm. that can bring, you know, rodents and things like that to the roadside, which, you know, that the rodents are there, so owls and other birds of prey will come down to the road to try to catch them. And that can sometimes lead to them getting hit by cars. Um, or getting, oh, you know, sure. side swipes, things like that. Um, and then also, you know, certain, uh, rodenticide glue traps and things like that for pests and rodents. Sometimes birds can get caught in those as well, or they can consume oh. the poison. And, um, you know, if something has been killed due to poison, that actually will also poison the bird. So, um, You know, sometimes it's not always, it wasn't meant for them, but it does affect them, so.
0: (laughs) Like, for instance, rat poisoning, and now the rat goes somewhere and dies, and then the bird comes by to eat the rat, and therein lies
2: the problem, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, and unfortunately, um, you know, when the bird, when the, the hawk or the owl actually processes that rat. The poison is actually biomagnified magnified, or um, you know, the potency is actually higher once they've consumed that animal. So, unfortunately, oh, that can wow. lead to some really poor um, circumstances for that bird. So, yeah.
0: Wow, Keith, we haven't spent any time really talking about the hospital itself. So, how many how many on site are, are they? Are they surgeons, physicians, veterinarians? What would you? How many? How many people work in the hospital part? Yeah,
1: we actually have uh, have a, a staff of uh, four actual employees in, in the hospital. That would be, you know, Melissa is the uh, hospital director, so she she runs my hospital here and and does an amazing job at it. I I I think every day that uh, uh that we got her. <laughs> and Wonderful. um under her we have we have three other um uh staff staff members that work in in the hospital um to a- assist Melissa and then outside that we rely on uh, on volunteers to assist uh to in- a- assist Melissa and and the other staff.
0: So okay, so so that I'm not confused. So this is called the Marie A. Far uh, av- Avian <laughs> Hospital. So Melissa, are you are you the one that can um, um, do an IV or pull that that hook out of that pelican's mouth? Is that is that part of what you would do?
2: Yes, yeah. So I am a state and federally licensed to rehabilitate wildlife. So. Um, it's under my license that we're operating the hospital. And so uh, because I'm not a doctor, um, we don't do any surgeries or things like that at the sanctuary, um, but I can do uh, pretty, for the most part, most other procedures. So, you know, removing hooks, sometimes suturing or sewing closed minor wounds or injuries, mm-hmm. um, you know, will stabilize wing fractures, leg fractures, everything like that. But um, if it's a, if it's a bird that requires you know, surgery, or we need a, an x-ray look at you know their inside or to look at a fracture. Um, we do have veterinarians that we take them to that are offsite, and they uh, will oh. actually provide those services to us for free, which is which is wonderful.
0: Oh, isn't that the best i that's that's that is that is a wonderful cooperation. So if you've got a a pelican that really has a broken wing. Because he crashed into a boat instead of into the water or whatever, um, you're able to then transport that to one of the local vets, and they will they will take care of that bird at no charge.
2: Wow, yes, yeah, they'll do. A, you know, if if they need surgery, if they need if we need X-rays to see exactly what's going on, they will do all of that for us, which is great.
0: I'll say that's 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 really great. Do you want to? I know we're. I'm kind of moving around because I do give you guys a script, but I, I'm. I'm. I'm just want to just be sort of extra, and it's not like a, you're not gonna know the answers to this. You, how many? How many different varieties um, at any given time? You mentioned you had 110 residents, I believe. Is that what I wrote somewhere in my notes? That you have 110. Uh, 110 currently at the, permanent at the moment give me a give me an idea of the variety of some of these birds that that um that that stay at your hotel I'm kidding at your sanctuary
1: as, <laughs> as far as the permanent residents who live here yes yeah um yeah we have everything from i mean obviously you already uh, you had mentioned the owls the different varieties of mm-hmm. owls we have um outside mm-hmm. of that we've got a um do you have a, a red-tailed hawk We've got uh, um, of course, the um, eastern brown uh, pelicans, which we have about 51, I believe, right now that actually live here. Um, we mm-hmm. have uh, everything from uh, little uh, oyster catchers, uh, which are a shore bird, uh, gulls, um, uh, herons, uh, cormorants, and hangas um everything all the way down to a a blue uh blue jays a couple blue jays that live here as well oh, yeah. so i mean it, it, it's a, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a wide variety wide <laughs> variety
0: do you have ibis also
1: yes we do have a a- permanently disabled white ibis that lives here yes
0: i had never seen an ibis until i went to Florida.
1: I, I just, well, yeah.
0: I, I, so they're really interesting looking birds. You know, what? what's
1: funny, Marsha, is years ago, um, way before I got into this and that, I, uh, uh, a house I, I owned, and uh, me and my daughter, who was like, I do about three or three years three four years old at the time every morning we would wake up and we'd look out and in my neighborhood there'd be a flock of ibises that would always go from house to house pecking at the ground uh looking for insects and for the longest time I kept telling my daughter I'm like one of these days I'm going to have to find out what kind of bird that is I've never seen it before
0: (laughs) (laughs) and to tell you the truth yeah (laughs) <laughs>
1: now you know it, it's you know it's 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 like yeah it, it's it's funny it almost sometimes surprises surprises me or and I'm sure a lot of us who, who who do this now for for a living and and this is our passion and and what we do on a daily mm-hmm. basis sometimes we forget that the average person. You know, it doesn't know what a lot of these birds are. So, like, you know, right now or something, I'm rattling off birds to you or something, and I'm, you know, not thinking that. You know, I'm just assuming everybody knows what kind of bird
0: that is. <laughs> right. Well, but you're, but you're right about that. I, I think one of the other birds I saw that um, wasn't exactly in Tampa, I would think it might have been more over towards Orlando, was the spoonbill. Is that what it's called? A spoonbill. Yes. Is that? Do, yeah. You don't have those at it's your sanctuary, kinda, do you?
1: No, no. I mean, uh, we do have them here in the wild. They are, you know, they are here in the wild in this area. But we don't have a, uh, a permanently disabled one that that lives here. Okay. Um, but yeah, they are in the wild, and you know, there are times when we we would, you know, they'd come through the hospital, and we'd have to to treat. But no, we do sure. not have a uh, a permanently uh disabled resident one here, no. Or
0: or flamingos either, right? You don't have flamingos You're Right, yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: No, we okay, don't. Cause, um there are some places in the state of Florida that do have uh have uh flamingos a uh-huh. uh, couple of zoos, um mm-hmm. bush gardens, you know, uh places like that. But no, we do not. Yeah.
0: So you know, I'm telling you, people, you got to go to Florida because, um, I, I, besides being at your sanctuary, I did, we were able to take advantage of some of these other locations. And I, I'm 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 at a loss right now to exactly where I was, but I was someplace with my family, and you know, just seeing the flamingos and the spoonbills was was really really. I might have been Epcot. I'm not quite sure. But um, what would you what would you say that people could do, um, just to make it's safer and less dangerous for wild birds. Do you have any recommendations over the obvious, like not leaving your hooks around?
2: Um, Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, of course, those those little things, you know, just, you know, taking everything that you take out, um, you know, to your local park, the fishing pier, everything like that, should come back with you or it should be disposed of properly because you never know. Those things can end up into our waterways or just end up you know unfortunately causing an injury to a wild animal. Okay. Um, the other That's things true. you know are also just being aware of you know what's going on in the environment around us because you know we're we're much more connected than a lot of people realize you know things that are happening you know to certain birds or certain wild animals, they can directly affect humans. You know, it may not be immediate, but it can, you know, in the future. So just being aware of what's going on, you know, following the local conservation organizations like the Audubon, everything like that. And, you know, just being aware of, you know, just certain things that are happening around you and keeping an eye on it and supporting those causes, you know, the conservation of certain species, everything like that. That's just being aware is really a big, a big thing that I think would really help a lot of wildlife. You know, it's really
0: funny. Um, I had mentioned to you at the top of the hour that we had this enormous wind that came through um, last night, and we had all this rain, four days worth of rain, which is a lot of rain for us, and it's especially horrific in the areas where there were fires. Um, but you guys, and not where you are in Florida necessarily, but parts of the eastern seaboard has just been blasted with snow a record setting below below average you know minus four and minus twenty one someplace and Boston is just going crazy with horrible weather. so does the weather affect the the condition of your seabirds and, and affect then who you who you, who you see because weather related issues happen to these birds?
2: Um, it it can. It depends on, you know, the timing of those weather events. So, you know, the hurricanes that we had um, over the summer and then certain events, you know, like the, the snow events and things like that, if they're happening during prime migration periods, um, it can result in, you know, ber- flocks of birds that were migrating and, you know, let's say a storm comes through or the weather conditions become bad, you might have like a massive just kind of draw a stop-off point where all these birds will just be in an area that they're not normally <clears throat> excuse me, found in, and that's because they were forced to stop due to that weather. Um, we also actually, it was uh, the year before, there was actually a brown booby, um, which is a tropical uh, seabird um, that mainly lives kind of near the Everglades and is like farther, nor- farther south in like the Key West area, but he ended up all the way in the panhandle. <laughs> because hmm. of a really yeah. bad um <clears throat> Oh of, wow. um, the bad weather fog just... conditions. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: That's interesting. And it I found it really just so beautifully charming to just sit on the deck and watch them fly in formation, you know, um, um, and then circle back. I mean, they really are quite remarkable. To, to witness these these seagulls are just i mean the the pelicans and when I see the brown pelicans in my where I live and then i see the the ones that have the white the total white heads are is that mm-hmm. is that the distinction between a male and a female or a juvenile and an adult how how do you tell the difference
2: yeah so um generally though, the white head um is a, an a <clears throat> excuse me an adult brown pelican Um, So you'll see they have the white and kind of a bit of patch of yellow as well. Um, The Mm -hmm. juveniles are kind of a slate gray all over and they have a very white belly. Um, But as they become adults, that white belly goes away and they get the the white and gray streaks um, on their stomach and then the fabulous white head. And then during breeding season, their neck will actually turn a chestnut brown. And that's how you know that they're... (gasps) um it's in the breeding season but uh for oh. to distinguish between male and female um it's actually the length of their bill um so sometimes it's an obvious difference between a male and a female but other times it's a little bit trickier so um it's not, oh, not I a, pay attention a standard to that. yeah mm-hmm. and you know what else
0: I, I i'm sorry but you know what else cracks me up about those pelicans is when they sit and they're like all scrunched and it's like really you how how you know and then they balance sometimes on a on a very small railing or something like that where I go <laughs> to watch them and it, it that that cracks me up too, I think that's a very photogenic uh camera shot too, when they just get flat you know i just but yeah. I have to pay attention to the bills that that's that's very interesting um and keith and in, in just talking about the operation um at the sanctuary. What does the sanctuary need to operate and and how can someone donate because you mentioned you're a 501c so I would imagine that anyone that's listening that 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 loves birds like I do um might like to do something like that how would they go about doing that
1: Yeah absolutely um like I said that's I mean that's what we rely on to to operate and to and to carry on um our mission if it wasn't for donations we wouldn't be here um we wouldn't be able to operate and um there's many different ways people can get involved and and can and and can help us out i mean obviously there is um just straight out monetary donations whether it's if you're visiting us you know uh you know dropping something off in in our donation mm-hmm. box um or being online um on our website on uh, seasideseabirdsanctuary.org um you know uh making a, a donation through PayPal But also, we uh, there's many other different ways we have. Also, on our website, we have under the uh, donations tab, we have a um, people can donate through um, Amazon. We have an Amazon wish list, and what it is when you for those who aren't familiar with it you actually go on Amazon and we have a list on there with um all the th- uh, different things we need whether it's just uh daily stuff that we use like laundry detergent bleach yes um you know stuff like that or if it's um s- special things that we need that you know we just don't have the funding for but it's it's crucial for our operation whether it be certain um like, say, certain hospital medical equipment or anything else. And people can actually click on it and and pay for it through PayPal, just like you normally would on on Amazon when you're buying something for yourself. Um, But then once that's done, Amazon, it gets sent directly to us. So, I mean, it it couldn't be simpler. Um, and then there's always too people bringing us in some of these items um, uh, themselves, going to a local uh, grocery mm-hmm. store and buying up uh, certain things that we use on on a daily basis, and that and just dropping them off to us. And um, and, and volunteers too. It's it's sometimes it's more sure. than just uh, it's not just monetary donations or actual uh, daily items that we use. It's also just volunteering um we're always looking for more uh rescue volunteers to be able to go out and and when when our uh our our injured bird hotline gets calls you know um uh, more available people to go out and rescue and, and, and bring mm-hmm. those birds into us. And also just to do other things around here to assist Melissa and her staff in the hospital to sure. outside, you know, with the, with the permanent residents and all the pool, you know, those pools have to be cleaned, drained and cleaned and every single day. And the birds have to be fed, pens have to be raked and, you know, so it, it it's that as well.
0: I've got to direct people. You've got to go to this website, people, because I just clicked on something I hadn't gone to yet, and that's adopt a bird, where you can pay $30 a month and you can adopt a bird. Not meaning you're going to take the bird home. You're going to care for the bird. And they're all named, and they are so cool. Oh, my gosh. I mean, really, this is that is so cool. Like, brad the sandhill crane oh my gosh or or, you know even i this 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 is really really a cool page on your site and um if people want to you know get involved and just feel the need because they're they're just interested um you know you can people think oh vultures i'm i'm saying i'm telling you that is the one thing that i couldn't take my eyes off in the sky It's like is that a hawk no that's not a hawk well what is that big black bird with its fingers i'm calling it that has kind of a red glow underneath what is that they were vultures i honestly i just didn't know that they were vultures and they are magnificent when they fly aren't they beautiful Oh my gosh! They're great,
1: and I I think I think vultures get a bad rap, and I think a lot of they that is because do. you know, like in in movies, they they always use a vulture as your stereotypical scary you know bird or whatever, and like you know movies yeah. and that you know macabre and everything. Vultures are actually one of my favorite birds, outside of owls. I love I love vultures and and. and and um, they're also unique. They have a lot of unique uh, mm. um, attributes about them and qualities that uh, that are unique to them, as opposed to other birds. So, I mean, I, I really, I, I, I love vultures.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're they have they're a very really... important job. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's Victor, and I'm looking at Victor, going, wait a minute, I have a picture. I took a picture of Victor. I know exactly which one Victor is. I, I, I saw him there. So it's just, it's sensational what you do, and I'm just so um, happy that you could spend the time with me today um, talking about something that I truly, really do enjoy, as you can tell, and um, if I ever find myself back in Florida, um, you are one of the stops that I would definitely make because I think what you're doing is just fabulous. And I I want to just thank you so much for for spending the time with me today and for just being a part of my radio show because, honestly, I love what I do. Much like what you said about loving what you do, to to have the opportunity every week to have people sharing their passions all across the country. You're not in my backyard. Um, But I'm always open to hearing what people have a strong passion about and then sharing that with others because I think that it it unites us. Whether you're for the birds, or last week you're for um, Badge of Courage because you're supporting police officers that help others, or next week we're going to be I'm going to be having a gentleman on that's um, retired military and what he did after being in corporate world to start to, to have a food truck, and, and and he has a food truck um, called Omega Potato Head. Potato, um, Omega Potato. And so, you know, it's, it's a fascinating um, opportunity that I have every week. And I'm, I'm really, really happy to spend this, this hour with both of you. I don't know if you have any final words that you want the audience to know before we say goodbye, anything that we might have missed that we went, oh, my gosh, why didn't we tell them that? Like Do you have an event coming up, a fundraising event, that maybe people nearby you would want to attend?
1: Um, we don't have, uh, right now, uh, the events we got are, 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 are not coming up in the near, near future. They're a little bit of ways away. Okay. We, we are doing, All right. but however, for those that are listening that, uh, you know, in our area, we do have, and actually this could even be for even people in your area. Cause you can um, call us up or go on our website. We do have a, um, a section in our sanctuary. I'm sure you probably saw it when you were here, but it's a, uh, a memorial brick walk of a, a memorial brick walk, and it's basically people can um uh have personally engraved bricks done and oh, they're yes, great for I like <clears throat>
0: um
1: when you like for a loved one like to honor maybe a, a loved one that has passed away um mm-hmm. and uh the brick has whatever you want put onto it and it's actually uh laid down in our in our walkway and um all the money uh goes goes to us you know goes back to the birds to 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 help care for them and normally these bricks cost like $100 each and right now until Valentine's Day they're they're half off they're only $50 for a uh personalized memorial brick
0: perfect and if people want to do that you can simply call 727 391 One one. Remember that you're on the East Coast, and you will get a fifty dollars savings by having a memorial brick um, that will be a permanent um, permanent thing at your at your hospital, which I think is absolutely beautiful and a great way to close out our show. So. I just want to thank you both so very much for joining me today. Maybe we'll do this down the road when we maybe you'll have some event coming up, and I'd love to have you come back again and join me. But um, thank you, Keith, and thank you, Melissa, so much for being my guest thank today.
2: You. My, well, thank our you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: good, good. I'm going to play a little outgoing music, and everybody, enjoy your day. Stay safe, stay warm. And, and smile at the next stranger you see because that makes life worthwhile. So thanks, everybody, very, very much.